Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Join us on the Chinwag Podcast every Wednesday where we trade the banal and the boring for the super strange and bizarre. They committed human sacrifice? I did bring up human sacrifice, yes. You sure did. <laughs> that just went by fast. Kind of casually tossed that out. I would like to have an alien uh, hatchet young inside. Holy shit, really? She saw world peace and I saw demons coming out of the wall. I will say that there was a green couch outside of the principal's office and you sat on it if you had lice or if you got in trouble. (laughs) They wake you up from the goo pods to live in reality and you're naked and screaming. It's like... (laughs) Follow us for free on Apple Podcasts and all major podcast platforms. For more information, go to chinwagpod.fm. And find enlightenment through our Instagram or TikTok at ChinwagPod or on Twitter at Chinwag underscore pod. All right, let's get this shit cracking like like eggs. 
Oh, oh my god, this movie, fuck man. Like, really? Like, you know what, man? See, I felt like it was another one of those next movies where, I'm, where as I was rewatching, I was like, all right, it's not as bad as I remember it. it. I, like, I, you know what? I really struggled trying to figure out whether it was better or worse than next. That's really, <laughs> that was like, honestly, as I'm watching it, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely got like, it's got some positives. It really does have some positives, but um, well, I mean, I mean, I, I like let's let me put it this way. I'm, it's going to be very easy for me to explain what parts of it make it better than next versus sure. Yeah, so like, <laughs> it, it, just, we don't have to get too deep. It's, it's very, it's pretty much right there. Yeah, it is. It is right there. Um, Maze, before we before we do the full intro, what did you? What were your thoughts hands going down, in? Hands down, worse than next. Really, hands down, hands down, and I wow. saw this one. I saw this one first. Okay, so this was wow. I'm kind of doing the opposite of a mean. Whereas he's weighing this one against next while he's watching it, I weighed next against knowing. Oh, yeah, and got you. Yeah, th- this is yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm Here holding a mic in my hands, and now I'm talking yeah. all along. <laughs> Welcome to Cinephobe, the podcast where we break down movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Amin Hassan, Anthony Mays, producing the show. Uh, this one, this new episode is on the movie Knowing, 2009 movie starring Nicolas Cage as John Kessler, who's an MIT professor and also has Rose Byrne in it. It is directed by Alex Proyas who has been known for directing movies like The Crow, which I think is kind really? of... Kind of acclaimed, right? Really? Like that's, that's thought of as a, as a cult, solid movie. Cult favorite. Cult favorite. He's also done iRobot. Okay, that's more, that's more like it. And, <laughs> and then this is where it gets really more like it. Have you seen Gods of Egypt? Oh, no, I didn't. I, like is, that. I knew I wasn't going to. Like, it is exceptionally bad. Yeah, I, I like agree. not even fun bad. It's God just with awful. a bunch of white people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? That's, I remember that movie. Yeah. Um, the uh, the little synops- synopsis of this movie on IMDb is MIT professor John Kessler links a mysterious list of numbers from a time capsule to past and future disasters and sets out to prevent the ultimate catastrophe. The tagline for this movie: <laughs> What happens when the numbers run out? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! This movie's this movie's exceptionally bad. <laughs> so this so this one did well. It says it has a fifty million dollar budget estimated. Oh, I showed on IMDb. This, well, so here's the thing: the, is, C- I thought the CGI, some, the CGI definitely showed that was. I thought there was some great CGI in this movie. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so literally, this is now this is the fourth episode of Cinephobe we've done. In every episode, other than Kangaroo Jack, Good Day, Mate. Yeah, you guys have criticized the CGI, and I've always been like, no, it got the job done for what they were trying to do. Like, no big deal. Right. This was the first time I was like, this is disturbingly bad CGI. This is going, like distractingly. I think I'm going Land of the Lost, then Next, then Knowing in terms of CGI. In terms of be- from best to worst or yes, worst to best? Best to worst. You went okay. Land of the Lost, 
next, and then knowing, and then knowing. Yes, I, 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 I agree because I felt like the CGI for like three different scenes was pretty damn impressive. The only one that was good, kind of, sort of, was the plane crash. Every other CGI scene was so cheesy and so bad. I mean, it, it looked like a, not even like a cartoon. <laughs> it looked like, uh, what was the, uh, was, was it the original Land of the Lost with the stop animation? Really? <laughs> That's how bad it was. Wow. I, wow, I strongly disagree. Uh, this movie did pretty well. Fifty million dollar budget, grossed 183 worldwide. Of course, worldwide. And uh, and 78 million domestically. So it it wow made money. Wow, which wow. is crazy to me because I I vaguely remember knowing what that was, this movie was in the theaters. I can't imagine. Oh, I remember 78. I remember the trailers. Like it's not one of those. Like I don't remember this movie happening. Like I, like next, I don't remember next at all happening. I remember knowing, I remember the trailers. I remember looking at Nicolas Cage and just saying to myself, no. <laughs> but I don't remember, was it a fall release or was it a summer release? It was a, I believe it came out in like March. Let me, oh. let me see. I've got it right here. Yeah, March 20th, 2009. That would make sense because as you guys may or may not know, actually, let me, I'll hip you. Uh, movies, the studios literally look for two release. Like if it's a good movie, They'll either go for summer, obviously, for Blockbuster, or fall slash winter. So that's uh, October, November, December. In the holidays for, uh, in, right? Yeah, for, 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 for awards purposes, awards nomination purposes. Um, if a movie sucks, like, you'll see January release dates, February release dates, uh, into early March. That's why a lot of horror movies come out January, February, March. Yeah. Uh, because they're like, look, this is cheap, and this is just gonna get keep the lights on in the early months. But we don't, we don't really believe in this movie because if they believed in it, they would have pushed it in summer, which is why it made what made Black Panther such an incredible thing is that they dropped a blockbuster movie in what's traditionally known as a dead time right. uh, in movie release time calendar. So this one, yeah, this one, this one made money. Uh, before we get into the rest of this podcast, uh, you can find it on Showtime. It is also available to rent on iTunes and all that stuff. But yeah, if you have Showtime and it's available on Showtime, uh, I highly recommend it that you watch it just for this nah, podcast. I mean, I, like, I'm all right. We'll get it. We'll get into it. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie: thirty-three percent from critics on one hundred and eighty-one reviews, forty-two percent from the audience on over four hundred and thirty-one thousand ratings. So, <laughs> audience liked it more. <laughs> And May just sent a message that made me smile and made me very happy. I, well, ladies and gentlemen, there is a Tony Medley review for this. Oh, movie. there is. Absolutely there so is. I haven't no, – I, I kind of like this dynamic that we're doing in this podcast where I don't look up this stuff. Right. I, I, the, 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 my reactions are as pure and as spontaneous as you hear them on this podcast. So I, I can't wait for that portion of the, of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, well – We'll get to the, we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. Still as, in the medley zone, nothing. which is yeah. 2002 to 2019. The I mean, medley zone. It, it, and it, you know what I like about TonyMedley.com is that they're all alphabetized and done by year. So like it's it's easy to go find the movie, and he's well, done a lot of movies. It's incredibly organized, man. That's, it is. <laughs> it is really it is really well done. Congratulations, to Tony Medley. Even if we don't always agree with you. Uh, so as I was reading the reviews from these from 2009. Um, there was one common theme, and that is that M. Night Shyamalan, who had nothing to do with the movie, yeah. catches a lot of strays. 
in these reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so from from Stephen Whitty from Newark, the Newark Star Ledger, an uneasy blending of sci-fi and religion, fate and faith, the same mismatch that has bedeviled most of M. Night Shyamalan's recent movies and leaves this film leaden with self-importance. <laughs> nice. Well um, done. Kyle Smith of the of the New York Post. Uh, oh, wait, no. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Kyle Smith of the New York Post. The movie begins shameless, grows stupid, and winds up silly. If the ending had less of the air of a crackpot religion and more pretentiousness, you could almost call it Shyamalanish. I like that. That's actually a really accurate. <laughs> that that right there. That's a, that. It's a good writer right there, man. And then Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly. If you want to know how inept this movie is, well, it's so inept that you may wish you were watching an M. Night Shyamalan version of the very same premise. <laughs> Just catching strays. I can't. I won't lie, man. A lot Wait. of that was happening in my head when I was. <laughs> that was actually that last one was a compliment. Was it? It's saying that they'd rather have his version, right? I guess it, that's a backhanded compliment at best. <laughs> that's that's uh, you know that that's shooting through that, the hostage in order to get rid of get out of the situation. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, we picked this movie. This was uh, suggested by Motez from the Discord chat. He said, "I was super excited to watch it for the first time because of the amazing premise, but the execution execution was so shitty. Horrible ending. Nick Cage doing Nick Cage. Shitty kid actors, and yeah. that ending, of course, uh, and mentions a flaming moose, which we'll get to at some point. So <laughs> yeah, that Leo, okay. Oh my god. Uh, so do, do, do I want to dissect this, or should, should I give my my overarching kind of take on this movie? I mean." We can do both. Let's dissect. Let's. Dissect. All right, we'll dissect. We'll dissect it. Uh, a couple of, um, so I, as I said, Nick Cage is starring in it. Rose Byrne is in it. Um, a familiar face or two. Uh, ben Mendelsohn. Who, ben uh, Mendelsohn plays director Krennic in Rogue One. Yeah, also uh, in yeah. Mississippi Grind, which is a which is a really good movie. And uh, is also also in Robin Hood. He plays the sheriff of Nottingham. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And then Liam Hemsworth is a is no, a student. Really. Yeah, he's a student in that first scene where where Nick Cage is is uh, is teaching. Let's start. Let's start there. Let's he tosses. He tosses. He's the one that that Cage tosses the sun to. Oh God! This is what I, I said. <laughs> wow! What a throw was my note. <laughs> so all right. Follow, followed by a shout out to Spencer when he was told, "Tell me about the sun." He said, "It's hot." <laughs> like it's, I so, felt like you know what? This that's a nice. Nice dick, dickhead way to answer a dickhead question. Yeah, believe it or not, Liam Hemsworth, his first movie, his film debut was really? that right there. Yeah, now, how about that? Liam is Liam Thor or is that Chris? That's Chris, right? Liam is is Hunger Games. Miss, okay. Mr. Cyrus. Right. No wonder I didn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> so we start this movie off uh, with a creepy kid in 1959 Massachusetts. This kid is just standing out there. They ring the bell. They're trying to get all these kids inside the school. Um, I did make this note because I did look for it. Once I saw it, it was 1959 Massachusetts. I said, I don't know if they're trying to be historically accurate, but there were only white kids in the school. Yeah, I mean, look, hey. There were, there were, Brown v. Board of Education was actually a few years before that, but you know. Well, then it was all ma- 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 that, 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 was, that was for those racists in the South, up in Massachusetts, <laughs> where they love black people. They didn't have any of those problems. So what they're doing here in the, to set this movie up is they are burying a time capsule. And all, all these right. kids are supposed to 
uh, draw pictures. They're going to put in the time capsule. 50 years later, it'll be opened up at that school, and they'll get to see a little bit of history inside that. So we get to a the creepy girl's name is Lucinda. Yeah. And when they go over to collect her paper that's supposed to have a picture, she's just writing all these numbers on it, all these numbers over and over and over. Uh, they go in. They they bury the the time capsule, and they lose Lucinda. They can't find her. And when they do find her, she's in the basement of the school in a closet. Her fingers are completely bloody because she has been scratching these numbers onto a door with her fingernails. Uh, I only have uh, one note for that entire opening scene. And that note was, no chance any school went to those lengths for a time capsule. It seems, I mean, this is a whole ceremony. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, Like, burying it with a manhole cover, like... I'm just saying, like, with cement, they poured cement down there and everything. I'm like, look, my kid just had a time capsule thing, and so they they let him go home with it. (laughs) Everyone just got a sealed envelope. (laughs) Here you go. Let it in your future self. Don't open it until 2028. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, uh, you know, that's the... That's the the opening. So we know that there are these numbers. They know there's a time capsule. Fifty years later, we get to present day uh, Massachusetts, and Nick Cage has a kid and a telescope. He's grilling hot dogs. They're having yes. a having a point night, uh, mainly because the mom's dead. So it's kind of right. only so, a point night. So so this is this is tremendous, right? Because this scene, it's like there's a lot of things they're trying to establish with this scene. Um, and so they're rather than like let things play out, and so you you get the an idea about these characters and their their relationships, or whatever. They're like, no, 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 guys, we don't have enough time. This video wants it uh, done in under this many minutes. Got to fit it all. So I swear to God, this is the opening scene that Nicholas Cage is in. He's drinking wine, listening to a baseball game on the radio, looking into a telescope, and grilling. And talking to his kid. At the yeah, he's doing a lot, man. Like it's a lot of shit to be doing that really does not is not necessary. Like telescope. Okay, we got. He's an astronomer. He's like a, like a ha. Have him look into a telescope in the sky. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, he's he's got a drinking problem. How do we have him be drinking wine while he's doing it? Okay, and there's no mom in the picture. He's got to be grilling hot dogs. <laughs> I'm just like, what are you guys like? Th- as soon as I saw, it, I said, okay, they're trying to tell us things, right? right. <laughs> they wouldn't just let it happen. Yeah, it's but a then, lot of it's a lot of exposition for one scene. And then I say grade A acting there with the kid telling us why he's vegetarian. I mean, that was it was the kid's opening line, I believe. He's like, Dad, I'm not eating your famous Sunday hot dog, because I later on <laughs> put a note about that. I said, like, famous like hot dogs are the fucking easiest thing in the world. And like, you gotta eat your famous hot dogs, man. Like like the, not even the Nathan's hot dogs at the hot dog eating contest. Yeah, oh, right? here, here, here's my note. By the way, hot dogs are not like a big deal to make, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so annoyed that he's taking so much pride. Like he's putting like special herbs and spices and fucking hot dogs on a grill. Right. Well, yeah. And so that's to like establish that this kid is a free thinker. And then they show yeah. him that they show that he's like a genius or good with numbers or something like that. Right. Like he's yeah. like this kid's special. And yeah. so. And so he puts the kid to bed, and we well, find no, he, goes that, to, he goes to watch the Discovery Channel because he all right. loves it. Watch the Discovery Channel. Um, but then when he puts the kid to bed, he's tucking the kid in. They, they, you know, we find out mom's dead. Um, and so then they do this weird little hand motion uh, as they say as they say goodnight to each other. And it's essentially like if you make two fists and hold the front of those of those curled fingers together um, to where your thumbs are lined up parallel. And then they do this like little circular motion 
and then they like basically throw up an X with the thumbs at that point, right? Right. Uh, at which point I put the note, what do the cabbage fats mean in sign language? Because <laughs> that's basic. Zach gave you a very technical description. I just said, they did the cabbage patch. <laughs> yeah, they do a very limited cabbage patch there, and they say, you and me together forever. <laughs> it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, a theme that we'll revisit many a time. Yeah. This- so here's my question. Was that before or after the mom died? The you and me together forever? Yeah. I'm assuming it had to be after the mom died, right? So it's the whole compensating, thing. yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's a line later on where the kid says, wait a sec, you know. Right, yeah. Um, so cut to, we find out Nick Cage is a professor. Yeah. He's an MIT professor, and he is, uh, I guess, about, like, space, relativity, okay. theory about, you know, why okay. things exist, how things exist. Okay, so like, there's a lot of like, it's a mixture of like astronomy, but also like philosophy. Yeah. Or, or he's just, is he just injecting a lot of philosophy into his astronomy class? And by the way, uh, I have a lot of notes here. First okay. of all, shout out to Spencer. Uh, you know, I really yeah. appreciated that. Yeah, I said uh, this is supposed to be an MIT class. Is it wiser chalkboard? Right, like every college, pretty much. Like I, when I was in college, like pretty much everyone had gone to white uh, dry erase boards. Like all, this one had a chalkboard in it. Um, also, does everyone have laptops in class now? Like I, this is something I, I legitimately didn't know. I was like, wait, is this something in college? Because literally every single student in class had a laptop in front of them. Yeah, and think this is 2009 too, so yeah. not quite now, as likely back then. I'm just saying, even no, but is there even now, or is there any era where literally everyone? Because I remember people bring laptops; it wasn't a big deal. It's just like, motherfucker, why are you lugging that shit? Like I mean, <laughs> when I was in grad school, I was just like, I'm just chilling. Like I don't, like trust me, I'm all right. Like I'll get the notes later. Like the idea that everyone had a laptop out, I was like, are they just? Is that a lazy assumption, or is that what college is like now? I don't know. I think it and, is. I think that's what I think it's fairly accurate. I would assume yeah, I would assume most kids, most students have laptops now. Nerds. <laughs> especially especially at MIT, right? Uh, well, that's the other thing. So I said this is an MIT class. What class is this? Because this seems like very rudimentary introductory concepts, and the size of the class would also lend to it's a one a one hundred level class. But then why is this professor of astronomy who's like this foremost expert on stuff teaching a one hundred level class? So you say, I mean. How do you know he's a professor of astronomy? How do you know he's like a tenured guy? What if he's just like an associate professor, someone entry level? I'll tell you how I know. Because later in the movie, he's got the biggest fucking office of any professor I've ever seen in the history of college. <laughs> yeah, it's like this shit is the remarkable. size of an apartment, man. Yeah, yeah, um, it's remarkable. And then the final note I had, which I was disappointed, was actually nothing. But I actually, at the time, I thought, oh, okay. Is there? Am I detecting sexual tension between Cage and the female student in the front? Oh row? boy! Wow, that did not that didn't register with me at all. Really? I yeah. I was picking up heavy things. <laughs> like, oh, interesting. Okay. I, uh, she does ask him at point point what because he's saying all these theories on why things exist. What do you believe? And he said, yeah. "I believe shit just happens, but that's just yeah. me." Yeah, but he did it like when he's making eye contact with her because like she, I thought that meant like, "Yo, we about to fuck." But, like, wow. She, Wow, I did not assume that at all. Well, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is where we get introduced to Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, Director Krennic is a douche. Is my is my note. Okay, yeah, he joins him, and they go they go on a little walk through the quad, 
And he mentions that his sister wants Cage to come over for dinner. Yeah. Um, and then says, apparently she finds you interesting. I just is no, that, is, that, is, this, is his sister or is his sister-in-law? Oh, sister-in-law, maybe? It's his wife's sister, yeah, because uh, Nicholas uh, Cage is like, why are you... Because he's talking about how she's got a big rack and shit like that. Like, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then just yeah, throws out a gay joke. So we're still in 2009. Yeah. It was more acceptable back then. Uh, but he's... We, and we unearthed that Cage always makes these excuses. Yes. Oh, the kid's got something. Oh, the kid's sick. Oh, I can't come over. So we, we know he's a homebody. Yeah. It, it, I, by the way, I have in my notes here, because... He cuts off this conversation saying, oh, my God, it's Caleb's blah, blah, uh, Caleb's time capsule unveiling. And he rushes off. But they had just walked out of the class that he was teaching. So my question was, how do you have to rush to the ceremony? You knew you were teaching a class at that time. Like, even if he had been thinking about it in class and immediately left, he was going to be late to this ceremony. But I don't know. Well, I thought he was just trying to get out of there. Like, this whole scene is him, like, well, no, repeatedly he, he, ducking the yeah, attempts like he of really fuck with Ben no, Mendelsohn to right, set yeah. him up with whoever. Because he wants him to move on, and he's still caught up with his wife's death. By the way, his wife, he just died a year ago. So, shout out to Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, he's get really trying to... dick wet. Yeah. Get your dick wet, bro. It's been a year. What are you doing? <laughs> this girl's got a rack. Like, that's basically... <laughs> Are you kidding me? I wish my wife died. <laughs> yeah, I wish she was dead. She thought you, like, I always thought she thought you were gay. Like, it's just a weird, it's a yeah. weird friend dynamic. Like, yeah, it, really does, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And hence, Director Krennic is a douche. That's right. Right. There you go. Uh, so Cage makes it to the kid's performance. He's in a choir singing for this time capsule ceremony. Uh, they unearth the time capsule. And again, it is a real production 50 years later. Jeez. It's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. Uh, the kid, his name's Caleb. He uh, he's the one that gets Lucinda's letter. Yeah, her numbers basically. Are she numbers. just numbers. All the other kids make fun of Caleb for this, which yeah, I, yeah. I oh, thought weak. We thought, we got pictures. <laughs> no, but I, I thought that was actually very on point because like that's what kids in school. They, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I'm gonna make funny. I'm gonna make funny either way. Doesn't have to be a fact. Doesn't even have to be accurate. So I, I, I appreciated that touch of realism right there. Uh, I did note that 50 years old and that paper is in pristine condition. Yeah, it looks it's not, it's not yellowed. It's not like brittle at all. It's like, it's but there is like, no oxygen in there, right? So maybe maybe that's science. So so they they vacuum sealed this shit. I, I mean, I, I don't know. With everything else they did, would that shock you? I guess not. Yeah. So the kid, the kid ends up taking it home with him. He wasn't supposed to take it home. Now, Nicholas, is, this, is this the first time the time capsule ceremony where we find out the kid's got a hearing aid? He oh, takes it out. It. He takes it out when he goes to bed in the beginning. Right, but so so he hears like the noises, right? Like right. there are these like like high pitched noises when they take the time capsule out. But I don't remember. So my question is like in the opening scene because I made a note of this. Did I miss a hearing aid mention? Let me, let, let me tell you this. The, the moment I realized he had a hearing issue was later on when they meet Rose Byrne and her daughter at the museum. That was the problem. I was like, what? what? That's what? Wow. He legitimately has a conversation about it with Nick Cage before that. The sign, the sign language, the cabbage patch. I just, I was like, why are they doing the cabbage patch? What is it? Like, I thought it was every little Ooh, dance. I that never makes sense up. about the cabbage patch then. No, it's, it's sign language. Yeah, that's why I said is is it sign language for yeah. For, you know, doesn't know. explain why he's singing in the choir, though. I bet you he's not you know, a very good singer. Well, you know, at that age, 
Mace, you just kind of let him. Yeah, you kind of let him just. You know, you suck because you can't hear good kid. I hope that comment fell on that kid's ears because that's uh, oh. <laughs> um, a. So, so they. Uh, he mentions that the hearing aid's been ma- been acting up. Cage says, "Turn it down." Uh, kid takes it out. They go to bed. Um, this is when Nick Cage pours the most aggressive glass of whiskey okay. I've ever seen. This is, I wrote nobody in the history of alcohol has ever made that mistake ever. No, right? I, so, like overflows. Like you know how like in the movies someone's or, like the waitress is pouring coffee into a mug and then like an atom bomb explodes outside and everyone's like staring out the window. She keeps pouring right. and then oh the coffee the coffee cup overflowed. But that's because when you're pouring a cup of coffee or pouring water or whatever, you're usually trying to fill it up close to the brim. Right. Nobody pours whiskey like that because if you're going to drink that much whiskey, you just drink out the bottle. You don't like it's, it's there's only two, either you pour like a third of the glass in or you're just going straight to the head. Right. There's no like, let me fill it up all the way to the top. Like nobody does that. And so I, I was I was perturbed by that. I also just t- group texted you guys when he sits down at the TV and goes to the TiVo. Oh, is that what this is? <laughs> That's what that is. This I took a picture of what his TiVo was, and this is the programming. Had. And by the way, everything was recorded within the last three days. Right. right? Yeah, they're aggressively yeah. recording. Yes. You have creature. Actually, you know what? No, because this movie's supposed to take place in October, and all of these things are TiVoed from November. Oh, right? That's like right. The, yeah. They talk about how like oh it's an unseasonably hot October. Yeah, all because the because the the end. Well, I, the spoiler alert. Yeah, this whole no, movie no, no, spoiler no. alert. The end so, day is is like October nineteenth. October, yeah. The yeah. end of the world is supposed to happen in October, right? So it says this is what they have TiVo from November. So I guess this is almost a year old. You've got four episodes of Creature Comforts. I've never heard of that show. Yeah. They have five episodes of Animal Precinct. Terrible fucking show. Is it? I've never heard of it. Is, Terrible. Is it just, is it just animals as cops? No, it's not. It's not fiction. It's it's like a reality show on on uh, Animal Planet. I think they've got three episodes of Power Rangers. Sorry, man, no one's watching Power Rangers in two thousand and nine. They've got March of the Penguins. They've got Planet Earth, which I thought was like, oh, that's a nice touch. Six <laughs> episodes. And then all of a sudden, they've got The Simpsons. All right, four episodes. Right again, Simpsons on a Tuesday. I don't think so, buddy. That's a Sunday show. Uh, <laughs> Tigers Under Threat, which is the show that he ends up watching. Which yeah. Is a movie, I guess. Right. And then the last thing on the list, Malcolm in the Middle. Two episodes. <laughs> well, he was so distracted by the good options, that's why he overpoured this glass of whiskey. Yeah, and then because he like he realizes he overpoured it, he goes to the kitchen to go get something to wipe up with, and he puts this overflowing, dripping glass of whiskey on top of the priceless paper that he shit on his son for bringing home from school and confiscated from him. Right. Like, that right. was the thing that pissed me off. Like, he made a big deal. Like, you're supposed to leave this to school and give me that. Like, instead of saying, all right, just make sure you take it back, he fucking confiscates it, makes and this just- big deal, shaming the kid, and then later on puts his fucking alky drink all over it like a goddamn yeah, he's coaster. A pretty, he's a pretty bad dad. Terrible dad. He's man. forgetting to go pick his kid up. He's forgetting to go to choir performances. Like yeah. he's pretty terrible. Uh, he's trying. He's apparently trying to screw that that student. Yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't so, moved uh, on from his wife except to lustfully yeah. stare at his students. 
He's got, mm. He does have a great arm, though, as you mentioned, because he but, tossed but his head This whole putting the putting the whiskey down thing—that's what they decided had to be the device for him to to look this at is, the piece of paper. Yeah, this, this, is, this is where I yeah because it puts a ring of whiskey on the paper, which now isolates some of the numbers. And this is where I wrote the note: plot liftoff. <laughs> that's where it gets going. It's exactly what happened. So, uh, so, so twenty-two so, minutes in. Yeah, so the cir- circle, as Zach points out, the numbers are circled. So then he goes uh, to a whiteboard uh, in, in his, I guess, in his kitchen or somewhere like that. Yeah, like around and, the kitchen area. And he writes the numbers and he looks at the combos and like races and then draws lines. And then he realizes the first three numbers are 9, 11, 01. And this motherfucker, ladies and gentlemen, in 2009 has to Google. What happened on 9-11-2001? I, you know, I, I'm known for sometimes to push the envelope on 9-11 jokes. Oh, man. But I, I was legitimately offended. You were I offended? Was a, I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. it absolutely, I was absolutely offended. Because we're talking about, like, we're eight years out from fucking 9-11 yeah. happening. Yeah. It's, Nobody, it's, like, I, I literally, I have a friend of mine, uh, Longtime listeners of the show, people who were at the LA live show will know who this guy is. My friend Reggie, aka Reach. <laughs> Me and Reach have a thing where we will literally screenshot our phones whenever it's 9 11, because every time I look at my phone, it's 9 11, right? 9 11 is a combination. 9 11 is so strong a combo of numbers that's associated with something that it literally stole the show from the original meaning of that number, which was 911. Right. No yeah. one looks at nine one one anymore and says, "Oh, that's the number you call." People look at this and say, "That says nine eleven. And they right? say, never "Forget." And say, "Never forget." Right. Yeah. And so, for them to have to point out, like to the audience, this is essentially what they're doing. They're saying, "Let's have the character do it." So the stupid asses in our audience who don't remember what happened in nine eleven. I was so turned off by that, man. Wow. Wow. I didn't know you. Wow. That's that kind of makes me like this movie a little bit more. Just knowing that it's it's that powerful. So not only does he Google 9-11, he Googles the number after it, which happens to be the number of lives lost. 2,996, and, and Mazer just sent us a, a screenshot of that webpage that he goes to, which is a memorial for 9-11. And the, the header is 9-11-01, a day we will never forget. And this is where means usual sensibilities kick in. I read it, and I read it in the Poppy Levitar voice. Because anytime he wants to give praise to a player that you've never heard of, like, yet yeah, today he was talking about Jonas Jerevko. He's going to be the key to winning this NBA Finals. Jonas Jerevko, a name we'll never forget. So do you, think this, do you think this is a real a real website? No, no. Because it th- like what makes me ask that is there – is some detail where there's actual words on there that oh, makes yeah, sense. No. They create, yeah, they created fake website. So he he rips the whiteboard off of his wall. Again, I said this is the only whiteboard in the house. <laughs> also, like, it's like, affixed to the wall. <laughs> like, yeah, and he's just, just hanging on something. Coming down, <laughs> goes to his study and literally like violently clears this desk yeah. rather than just like, kind of sit- like he was going to have sex with that student. Yes, yes, on the desk. That's puts the whiteboard down there and proceeds. And ladies and gentlemen, so Lucinda wrote these numbers on an eight and a half by eleven standard sheet of paper, and it is filled from corner to corner, from margin. There, like there's no margins. You it's just it nothing in. but numbers, right? Yeah. This motherfucker has is a pretty expensive 
Mac desktop sitting on his desk decides to transcribe the entire fucking sheet on his dry erase board and then uh, and then starts circling basically all the different number combinations which then um, link up with other disasters with deaths or whatever yeah, so, so we fit yeah he figures out their dates and right. there are and there are death totals and then there are numbers that are not circled which he can't yeah. figure out yet. He what doesn't know are. what those are for. Yeah, what those are for. But there, you know, uh, a plane crash comes up, an explosion of a building, the train yeah. crash, the Oklahoma City bombing comes up. So a lot of these are actually I looked some of them up because I was curious. They're actual disasters. They went okay. and found actual disasters. Um, but again, many of these press clippings are basically their fictitious. I mean, like, the events happened, but they, they did their own version. They didn't have real newspapers or no, real websites. Um, so he stays up all night, right, doing this pretty much? Yeah. Sort yeah, oh, yeah, stuff. he stays up all but, night, and, and he takes it to he takes the letter and the circle numbers to Mendelssohn. So, but, like, my, my thing is this. Again, so you have a computer. He could have easily just scanned it right. and, then, and then highlighted on, like, Microsoft Word or whatever. Yeah. And and then emailed it to himself or printed right. it up. Like it's so much more efficient than writing it on the whiteboard. And and remember, he's an MIT professor. Yes. <laughs> so a whiteboard so at home, chalkboard in the classroom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that also that old that, that, that old that old saying my my grandpa used to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, I find you one that's a whiteboard at home <laughs> with a chalkboard in the classroom. Uh, also, he lives in a very large colonial house. Yeah, that was just kind of weird, right? In the middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah, out, um, in the, out in the woods. So uh, next morning, uh, he takes his kid to school, and I guess they carpool. And, and, and by the way, up until this point, right, up until him discovering the numbers thing, right, this numbers thing obviously gets his mind racing, right? But up until this point, he's, as you can tell by the way we're describing it, he's been weird and creepy as fuck. So what parent would allow their children to carpool with this motherfucker? I can't fucking figure it out at all. But somehow they do. So he carpools. As he drops his kid off, the kids jump out. And then his son turns and looks at him and says, uh, you've been acting awkward all morning. And I said, there is a 0.0% chance my kids would ever notice if I was awkward. These little assholes don't do a shit. Did they notice if you drank an entire (laughs) bottle of whiskey? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they 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 might, but 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 and again, drunk the drunk driving carpool guy, just dead of mine. Yeah. Um, Uh, So goes to Mendelssohn, tries to let him know, like, hey, there's something to this. Mendelssohn's not really. Yeah, he's like, you're crazy. You're seeing you're seeing things that you want to see, and and by the way, this this brought me back to another movie. That may or may not be a cinephobe entry. I don't know. You guys ever seen the number twenty-three? Oh yeah. All right. So we'll so put a pin in that when we when we get into the into the uh, ending kind of comments. So I'll, sure. I'll bring it up again. Okay. Uh, so, so then, so from there, then he goes to try to find the teacher of Lucinda. Yes, who was at the by the way the unveiling of the time capsule right, right. on the day. Of. No, first of all, he calls the school trying to figure out the guys who dug up the time capsule. If he could get their names. And I'm like, what the fuck is the janitor-ass motherfuckers going to do for you, man? Right, well, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, what do you know about the time? Shit, if I know, man, they told me to dig that shit up. Just brought it out of the ground. Right. You, your guess is as good as mine. So, thwarted from trying to find out because the school district wouldn't tell him because it's like privacy policy, which I thought that was kind of nice. 
Like, they give a shit about the janitors. <laughs> I imagine most schools are like, yeah, I was fucking job. Yeah, he, lives on, he lives on fucking Main Street over there. Yeah. Uh, so he, he goes to Lucinda's teacher and asks her some questions and then um, asks her, like, hey, where can I find Lucinda? To which the teacher says, oh, she passed away a few years back. And I said, why would the teacher know who died from her class? Right. 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 That's crazy. Like, I'm like she's 70 or 80 years old or whatever she is. Why is she keeping up with who the fuck her, what her students are doing fucking 50 years later? Yeah, you know, it, it, and another note I had is that she offers him iced tea and yeah. he, like, almost laughs at her. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, why would I drink a non-alcoholic drink? Yeah. <laughs> you dumb bitch. Like, that was essentially the face yes. he gave her. And that reminds me of, of of next. And this, if you guys remember, the opening scene in next was him yeah. having like a, like a, a a martini at like eight in the morning. Right. To, to, which, to which I said that wasn't in the movie. That was just Nicholas Cage with the, with the camera rolling. I think this is the same thing here, right? Like <laughs> she always nice and he's that's not that's not Doctor John whatever. No. That's Nicholas Cage is coming. He didn't know they were rolling. They're like, oh shit, yeah. we just got something. Let's use that. Uh, so yeah, finds out she's dead. He starts investigating the family um, at back at home. As he's on the phone trying to find out information about about Lucinda's family, um, his kid is out playing soccer by himself in the yard, kicking yeah. a ball around. Goes up to a strange car. Yeah, you see these figures in the car uh, whispering to the kids. Can I spoil it? Yeah. These people are aliens, I guess, or <laughs> something, right? Right. But 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 they're aliens. And you they've know. assumed they've assumed the form of humans. human form, yeah, yeah. But somehow, like, so they have this technology that allows them to say, "Okay, I'm going to look like uh, what I wrote, Anthony Jesselnik." <laughs> <laughs> right? They can do yeah. that, but somehow they only had enough money left to afford like a 1991 Chevy Caprice. Yeah, they got like a fucking Buick or something, right? Like, I'm just like, they couldn't get a nicer car? Like, why'd they get this piece of shit creeper car? Bro? No, that's how you, that's how you, that's how you blend in. Yeah. When you're aliens. You gotta do that. So they hand the kid this smooth stone. This like, this like, almost black smooth stone. I'm uh, so mad. I'm so mad at you. Age freaks out. Spoiler, spoiler alert, the stones don't mean anything. <laughs> Like in the grand scheme of things, there's a, yeah, there's like just a small callback at one point. Oh. Just, I mean, the smallest of callbacks. You're like, like it's just, oh yeah, irre- irrelevant. <laughs> right. So irrelevant. Right. So they give him. He asks, "What were they saying?" He says, "I don't know." Uh, his now Nick Cage's sister shows up. Uh, she's uh, she's essentially checking in on him, trying to get him to reconnect with their parents. Um, we find out that he's the son of a pastor. Mom says hi. So does Dad. Grace, don't. I get that you don't like being the son of a pastor. I am the son of a pastor. And I, for whatever reason, I just love, like, I love that line for, I, I don't know why. I don't I know mean, why. Like, I think, again, just, they're like, how do we let them know that he's lost his faith through the right. death of his wife? Right. That's basically what happened here. Um, also, sister kind of a douche but a religious douche right right like so, so he's like i got go- a lot going on and she said and her response is well tell me about it so i can pray on it like what oh i hate people like that <laughs> i wish you just leave me alone so anyways so she leaves 
he says, I'm never going to talk to dad again. I don't know why. Like, how is that his father's fault that his wife died? But no matter. So on his sheet now, uh, this next day is going to be the day where something happens, of course. So the sheet has all these numbers, and he's figured out their dates and death totals. But now he's coming on some new dates, basically modern-day dates. Yeah, and you know, he knows 181 people are going to die. Are going to die. And so he sits on his couch, and he starts drinking, and he turns on the news. And I wrote, he looks so disappointed that nobody died on the news. Right? <laughs> like, they have a bunch of news stories that come up. Oh, big fire in the Gulf as this platform thing was about to explode, and da 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 And, like, uh, the shell company or the oil company said that da 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 Yeah. Thankfully— no casualties. And this month, I'm like, yeah. Like, he was so mad that there were no casualties. I'm, I was, man, what a dick. So right? so can I tell you something yeah. about that, that, that oil rig fire on the news? Uh-huh. A year later, it happened in real life. For real? And that's the BP oil spill in the Gulf. Whoa. But no, but there was no explosion, though, right? I don't know. That's just, it's in the trivia of the, on the IMDb page. They say a little more than a year later, April 20th, 2010, it became a reality. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. Good yeah, enough so for me, this, man. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Uh, so, yeah, he's drinking. He's watching news. He's very disappointed nobody's died. 181 people haven't died. Yeah. Um, he passes out. He then right. wakes up realizing he has – or his kid is calling. Calling him from to- a payphone. So there's another question I had. Do they still have payphones at school? 2009? Maybe. Probably know, not, man. right? I don't know. Probably not. No, why wouldn't he just use the office phone? Why couldn't he go to the yeah. office and be like, hey, my dad hasn't picked me up. Can I call home? Like, I mean, we had a payphone at our school, but, like, that's what you did. Yeah, especially if you're in middle, like, the kid's, like, nine. Yeah, right. <laughs> nah, motherfucker, you better get a quarter and go call your dad yourself. So his drunk ass, mm-hmm. his drunk ass has now... Uh, woken up, been startled by the phone, says, oh, I'll be there in 10 minutes, gets in the car, driving drunk, I'm assuming, and is yeah. stuck in traffic. There's just some kind of buildup on the highway. Um, he he glances down at the GPS and notices oh, the wait. long... Oh, wait, wait, what wait, I- wait, before that happens, no, no, he's in the car, he's driving, before he gets stuck in traffic, he calls Ben Mendel- Mendelssohn. Oh, right. And he tells, because now, because no, nobody died on the news... He's like, maybe I am crazy. So he calls Ben Mendelsohn and said, you know what? I will fuck your sister-in-law. <laughs> but for some reason, and, to, and this is, I know this isn't something that I'm, I'm being myopic about. It's 2009. He's calling from a cell phone. And rather than call Ben Mendelsohn's cell phone, he calls the house phone and leaves a voicemail yeah. on, on an answering machine. Like, why? Why wouldn't he just call the cell? Great question. Anyways. Great question. Yeah. Okay, so... Stuck in traffic. Everything Stuck in traffic. Up. Looks at the looks at the GPS on his car. Notices the longitude and latitude are numbers that are that he recognizes from the piece of paper. Right. And so, and he is that and he, why he got is that why he got out the car? Yes, because he recognized it and he, he I think he figures out at that point he goes oh this is the location all these uncircled numbers this is the location of where it is. So well, then no, he gets, he doesn't realize that oh, I don't know I I just felt like he looked at those numbers like huh that's odd. No, because he, he pulls the paper out. He pulls the paper out. Yeah, and yeah looks I know, but I don't think he made the connection that this is this. These are locations until. Uh, yeah, maybe he's starting to he's starting to put yeah, it together. So then he gets out of the car to go see what the what the the holdup is. Why there's Which, no traffic moving at all. By the way, several people got out of their cars and and I've never again 
I don't know about y'all. I've, I've seen I've seen that once. I've seen that once. It happened on an episode of Married with Children. That's the only time I've seen it. I thought you meant you actually saw it. Like no, I saw it on an episode of Married with Children where they got out of the car <laughs> during the traffic <laughs> pileup. Yeah. So they go there, and then he tells his approach rather than say, "Hey, what's going on? It's hold up, da Can we do just a bust a U-turn?" He goes to the cop and says, "How can I help?" Right, motherfucker, who are you? Right. <laughs> Oh, man, this movie's so bad. So then cop says, hey, you really got to get back in your car. And at that point, a horrified look comes on the cop's face. And so here, there's not great composition, like continuity here, because he looks behind Nick Cage, but the plane is coming from the side. Yeah. So he looks horrified, like, oh, my God, this plane comes crashing through, like crashing through. This is where I wrote uh, the note, plot lift off. Seems insensitive now. <laughs> yeah. So plane crashes, and then everyone on the plane somehow survives the crash, but they're all burning. Yeah, a lot of people are survived. A lot of people are on on fire. And I this was, is where I, this is where I wrote. I wrote CGI is great on this crash. Come on, great, man. Like, it, no, man, it's good. Like it is good. There's I just will, a I wall will, of fire on the freeway. No, as the no as the plane comes. Oh, yeah, down, yeah that's, that's true. I forgot about that. Like yeah. the, the the plane crashes kind of sideways, right? So that the the, yeah. the wing is scraping the freeway, yeah. and it, it gives off a Back to the Future kind of just streak yeah, of plane. Look, man, I think that that is scientifically accurate. They've got will, the I, same I, turbine from Lost, just chilling uh, there, eye on this hill. I mean, um, it, it would just it struck me as so odd that this plane would have this horrific crash, and yet so many people survived it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think because it because it landed on the wing at first, it absorbed some of the contact. <laughs> Look, I think I think the physics will back me up on this. If you're if you're a <laughs> physicist who's seen this movie, send in a send in a tweet. Let me know if if I'm right or wrong. If you're a college think, student with a laptop, <laughs> you know, astronomy one hundred and one <laughs> class. <laughs> um, what I liked about the also what I liked about this scene, it's one continuous shot yes. from from the crash. To the end of the scene, it is one continuous shot of Nick Cage running through. A guy is on fire, goes running by. What I like about this is there is a woman on fire. She drops to the ground. He picks up a blanket and just drops <laughs> yeah. it on her and moves on. Yeah. He just drapes it, drapes it ever so gingerly. <laughs> He's running through. There are passengers on fire. There are explosions off to the side. Um, like, just a, what a horrific scene. I, I thought this was a legitimately great action scene. He starts giving someone CPR. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I mean, like, what, what, what? Yes, why? Did, what dictates where he's going to spend time on one victim versus another? He pulls someone out of a plane. The guy yeah. gets CPR. The guy was in the plane. He pulls him out the window of the plane and then gives him CPR right there. Meanwhile, by the way, the plane is still exploding. You guys didn't like. Well, yeah, he's got to take I, You guys didn't think this this scene was good. It was impressive. No, <laughs> no, what is scene? It, like he, he's not a real doctor. Why is he doing all this? He's not. He's not a superhero. Like he's running right into an explosion. He's drunk. This is what a drunk person would do if they came across a plane crash. <laughs> they're throwing blankets on people. They're watching people run by on fire. They're pulling people out of the wreckage. They're doing CPR on people who are clearly breathing. Like that's what that's what a drunk person would do. That's great fucking acting. His running think, is also really terrible. He's like lumbering is, around. Instead of Tom Cruise running in a movie, <laughs> so <laughs> heavy. It, yeah, no, he runs like Nikola Pekovic. Like it is, it's it's tough. Uh, so this is where he's now figured out. He puts it all together. 
the uncircled numbers are all longitude latitude. Another question I have, does any GPS just knowingly display? No, you you have to like the feature is there, but you like it doesn't normally have it on the display. Okay, so then maybe all MIT professors do that because they like numbers. Right, needs to know exactly Uh, where he is. So then we get to we get we get back to the house. Uh, Caleb is asleep. Right, I'm not skipping. Okay, how how does kid get home from school? Who picked up his kid? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, uh, somebody, somebody. Did, oh, I can't remember who did because I remember they're telling the kid they don't like. Did you tell them why I was late or what? And they says, no, no, no. I just told them that you got caught in traffic. Uh, who was it that he was talking to? Was it Ben Mendelson or was it, or was it his sister? Probably the sister. Yeah, yeah. I think this is where she offers. Hornball Ben Mendelson get into that that home yeah. and be around yeah. his kid, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Caleb, um, Caleb is, is dreaming at home. He wakes up to uh, Anthony Jezelnik alien yeah. standing in his room, pointing out to a, a window that is glowing, that is absolutely glowing. Uh, he goes to look out the window. The world, the forest is on fire, absolutely on fire. This is where we see the, the, the flaming moose, which sounds like the name of a bar. The flaming yeah. moose comes running out. Sounds um, like a bar. Hold on, it sounds like a bar in a shitty city that Ethan Strauss actually thinks has a lot of charm. <laughs> you're not. You're, I don't think you're giving it a good enough chance. <laughs> so the flaming moose comes out, and then all these animals are coming out of the fire uh, of the forest, and it's, it looks like a like the end times, right? And then Nick Cage, Nick Cage chases him out. No, 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 no. What happened was the kid like screams dad and he goes upstairs and he finds the kid huddled by the window it was all a dream obviously right and then he hugs the kid and he tells him everything's gonna be okay but he, running, but he goes running out of the house with a bat right no that's 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 a different scene okay all right maybe I, yeah maybe i screw uh, it doesn't matter yeah so, uh, so now so now they go to the now he has he has uh successfully stalked Lucinda, or the daughter of Lucinda, played by Rose Byrne. So now she's in the movie. And he and his son have stalked her and her daughter to uh, the Natural History Museum. Yes. Hi. Hi. Is that your daughter? Yeah, why? Why? Uh, that's my son. And they look like they're, they're already best friends. Yeah, Abby's probably telling him about the animals. Even as a baby, she was completely fascinated with them. Yeah, he's the same. He likes extinct animals. I'm John. Hi, Diana. What are they doing now? Caleb's showing her something in sign language. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. He's not. Sounds just get jumbled up sometimes. He has a hearing aid, which helps, but he's not deaf. He is an expert in sign. I don't think it's ever been this hot in October. Air conditioner must be out. Dad, can we get a drink? Can we get one, too? Hey, would you and Abby like to join us? Sure, that'd be nice. And he, like, the two kids kind of are side by side. This is where you found out that he had a hearing aid. Yes. 
Uh, he's doing sign language to her. Nick Cage just walks up and basically is like, looks like our kids are friends now. Want to want to go have a coffee? Super like, cre- super. What a fucking creeper vibe is. But also similar similar to the conversation he had with uh, Jessica Biel in Next. Yes, absolutely. One hundred. <laughs> 100%, which tells me that he's probably ad-libbing. <laughs> right. He's got one moat. Um, so then he goes, they're, they're up on a rooftop there. Kids are looking out over the city. There's, uh, the parents are sitting down at the table, and he's you know asking her questions. And all of a sudden, he starts asking about her mom. He starts getting very personal, talking about the stuff he knows and stuff he's found and everything. Freaks her the fuck out. Yeah. She basically gets away from him. Um, Wait, she gets away with him from, from, with this. She says, stay away from me. And then there's a long pause, and he says, and my daughter. <laughs> like, you piece of shit mother. Yeah, it's a lot of bad parenting in this movie. It's a lot of, it's a lot of bad parenting. So they, they get away. He then, uh, he then is trying to warn the police about the next disaster on the list. By, he calls, he calls he in calls- the yeah, I said, yeah, call the FBI and tell them to do some shit or many people will die. See how that works out for you. Yeah, see if nobody shows up to your house. Yeah, yeah like this is, he literally said, he called it back. You have to keep, because he figures out the, these are coordinates down, the next coordinates for the next date are somewhere in New York. And you got to clear the, if you don't, many people will die. I'm like, you sound exactly like a fucking terrorist. Yeah, they would, they would be at his place in an hour. To which I, I started thinking of that scene in Horrible Bosses 2 where they get the walkie-talkies and he goes, why, why do we even have these? Why don't we just use our cell phones? And, and Jason Sudeikis goes, have you watched the fucking news lately? And Charlie Day says, Charlie Day says, yeah, it's just the three of us, not the three of us in the NSA. <laughs> I love that movie, man. It's a great that's movie. It is a great, great movie. movie. Uh, so he calls and then he goes to the scene of where drives it's supposed to Drives to New York. Drives, drives four to New hours York. to New York to the scene of where this is supposed to happen. Um, and is shocked that New York City went about its fucking life. Right. Yeah, that New York City was like, nah, we're good. The guy, so, guy who had to Google 9-11. Yes. So, <laughs> guys, you want another? Check's phone. 9-11 to happen. So he goes up to a cop who's just standing there and demands to know why these people are here. Why haven't you cordoned off this area? The cop of course, knows exactly what he's talking about. And then the other cop, there's a bunch of other cops in a van across the street, says, there he is. And I said, wait, so the cops are waiting for him to introduce himself? Yeah, that's not really how that would work. Yeah. Then I also said, I must have missed this era of NYPD where everybody had a baseball hat on. (laughs) They all wore NYPD baseball caps. Every single cop in this movie had an NYPD. None of them had the actual, like, cop hat. Uh, yeah, so they try to apprehend him once they figure out he was the one that made the call. Uh, he runs down into the subway as he's hiding from the cops and the FBI. Uh, he notices a suspicious guy um, kind of clutching something, clutching a bag, right? Yeah. Uh, well, so, uh, he's wearing a trench coat right. during unseasonably hot weather. Right. right. So. Trench coat and unseasonably hot weather in the subways, which are always nice and cool. Uh, so he so – he, he starts chasing this guy. He's like, oh, no, this is this is the guy. This is what's going to happen. Starts chasing the guy. And um, and I'm I talking about a, a long ass chase. Yeah, it's a down long the chase platform. down the platform. And I and I made the note. This is the worst body double slash stunt double I've ever seen. It looks nothing like Nick Cage. 
like absolutely nothing like him. Uh, so Nick Cage gets onto the uh, gets onto the train with the guy. The police are still chasing them. Um, they finally get to the end of the train. The guy's trying to get out the back, and and Nick Cage lets the police know, no, 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 this is the guy. This is the guy you're after. And so as they approach him, he drops his stuff, and it's not a bomb or anything. It's just DVDs. He stole DVDs, and I like if some random dude try to get me for stealing DVDs. I think I just stand my ground and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like this yeah. dude, this dude ran like he had like 17 grams of uh, 17 kilos of coke right. strapped to his body. Like off of one look from a stranger. Right. Yeah. Off of one look from a stranger. Absolutely. A, it's so a, dr- a drunk stranger. Yeah, a, dr- a drunk stranger. So then the this train starts moving. There is an issue with the rails. Uh, with the tracks, the train now goes off the tracks. It starts crashing. Um, it's a gigantic crash. This is where I made another note. The crashes in this movie are really good. I said, whoa, you want to talk about bad CGI? What? The CGI in this was fucking horrible. This one, the plane one, I was a little like, okay. The plane one's a great shot. This one was li- <laughs> like, I mean, it just, it was, the, 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 I mean, it was just terrible. What it if I, was- all right, what if I spin it like this? What if this is the view of it through his drunk eyes? Does it now get better? Just all got beer I mean, goggles for this entire yeah. movie. <laughs> Maybe I should watch this movie with beer goggles on. Maybe that would help. Maybe, yeah. Um, and so now here's your that's your accident. Uh, however many people needed to die, die in it. Um, and so at this point, I I was admittedly texting, and so I kind of missed like now for some reason Nick Cage and and Rose Byrne link up again. So he goes back home. Like the, okay, so he drives back home. Uh, obviously, the this accident that he's told people is going to happen, something's going to happen in New York tomorrow. This many people are going to die. It happens. So I guess Rose Byrne goes to his house. Don't ask me how she knows where he lives with her daughter, and she's waiting on his front doorstep when he arrives home. And she reveals, okay, like now I believe you. Uh, and guess what? My mom had all these problems, and she said she knew what day I was going to die on. And uh, and basically she's apologizing for, like, kind of calling him crazy. And it turns out, you know, her mom had this history of, of being a crazy woman. But that sparked the thought in my head. I said, wait a second. So Lucinda was crazy since she was a kid, right? Yeah. I mean, like, people thought she was crazy. She wrote numbers. She said she could hear whispers. Uh, you know, obviously know. the, the, oh, the no. bloody. I know, I know where this is going. I said, "Does that mean Rose's dad was a scumbag who knocked up yep. a mentally impaired woman?" Uh huh. That's exactly what that means. I hadn't put that together, but yeah, that's exactly. That's what that the means. first thing I thought about because I was just like, "Wait a second. First of all, I was like, "Wait, she had a kid?" Then I was like, "Oh, maybe she got her shit together." But now uh, Rose Burns tells enough. Never nah, got her shit she, together. She's crazy. <laughs> she was always crazy. So the, um, they. So they, they then go to her mom's old place. Right, right? which is just an abandoned shithole. In, yeah. in the middle of the woods. And so Rose Byrne and Nick Cage go into the place with the flashlights. They leave the kids in the car. Kids are left That's in the right. car. I said they left the kids in the car? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and so, and so, in, so, all right, now we have, the, we have a smooth stone. Yes. So they revival. search the house and they see a bunch of stuff. And then they go into a bedroom and they find a pile of these same smooth stones that uh, that the kid had earlier, right? Yeah. And so, uh, meanwhile, and also like etch, etched into a. Etched well, meanwhile, into a hold door. on. 
Meanwhile, meanwhile, outside, Anthony Jeselnik and his alien friends have uh, have cornered the car. Yeah, they've the approached the car. Yeah, and you hear the whispers again. And they call them, by the way, the kids call them the whisper people, which made me think of the Yin Yang twins. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so, then, so then they see etched on this door, carved into this door, is everyone, everyone else, everyone, everyone, everyone else. Like, it's all over the place. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, 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 the final date yeah. on the thing had a date, and instead of having a number of bodies, it just said E.E., and they thought it was like someone's initials that someone was going to die on. Turns out EE stands for everyone else, right. which she scratched into the bottom of her bed many, that, many, many times. Yeah, uh, probably when this horrible person was with her. And so, yeah. And so, and then you hear the car horn is blaring, yeah. absolutely blaring. The kids are laying on the horn. Uh, Nick Cage and Rose Byrne run out there. Uh, they run after the creepy guys. Or, they, or Nick Cage runs after Anthony Jeselnik and uh, and finally stops him, finally gets him stopped. And we see that Anthony Jeselnik has black eyes. He opens his mouth and a blast of light comes out that, that like kind of temporarily blinds, not not fully blinds him, but completely oh. impairs the vision. Oh, you skipped the part, by the way, where he asks his kid, did they pause, hurt you? And I wrote, did they hurt you equals definitely meant did they molest you. Right. That, the way that was delivered. Yeah. yeah only one way. So, all right, Jezelnik is basically a, a big searchlight, apparently. Yeah, he's a searchlight. Uh, uh, it blind, it temporarily blinds, impairs the vision. Uh, he gets away. Turns out, turns out both uh, Caleb, uh, which is the son, and uh, Rose Byrne's daughter both can hear these people right. talk. And they've been hearing them for a while, unbeknownst to their parents, apparently. Do you know the name of the daughter? Uh, Abby? Yeah. But she also yeah. played Lucinda. So that confused and, me. And, and also, Rose Byrne plays grown Lucinda. Right. From the pictures in the right, video. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it looks like they, like, crudely photoshopped her. It, like, just they used the warp feature or something yeah. like that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a little off. And so, at this point, they now know what the, what the, the code is, is that... Nick Cage believes that these solar flares that have been happening here and there, that's why the temperature is rising and everything, is going to destroy the Earth with a super fire. And at one point, he is standing in this office, and he is looking out uh, into, the, into, the, into nature, and he's just staring at the sun, kind of like Trump did during that one eclipse yes. moment. Yeah. Like he's just staring at the sun. No sunglasses. Just staring right at it. Um, and now we get... Uh, so now we've got some some moments of like, Oh shit, this, this stuff's really going to end. This is bad. We got to figure something out. And so he calls his dad. He's now reconnected with the pastor father, lets him know about the prophecy of fires and the heat's going to get worse Says to get in the basement. Um, at this point, after being visited by these people again, well, no Rose Byrne comes in again. How does he know where he works? I don't know. She hears him talking to Ben Mendelssohn about this. And then she runs out like distraught. Yeah, um, and then and and as he's running out of this facility, which is by the way where we see his massive office. I mean, just yeah, this, corner this office of a, a CEO. It's an apartment. Yeah, yeah. Um, she runs out rather than just running out the regular pedestrian door. She hits the like the massive garage hangar door. Right. So, I'm like, first of all, how did she know that switch was there? How did she know they controlled that door? Why right. would she have the the inclination to do that? 
rather than walk out the regular door, which is right there on the right. Right. Um, and then that's also when I said, why did he treat freshman intro to astronomy if he got this big ass office? <laughs> So, so when he, he gets so, back, he gets back and calls the dad, lets him know, like, hey, shit's about to go down. Now Caleb has gone into the crazy Lucinda writing mode with the numbers. Yes. Like in a zone, in an absolute zone, uh, writing, carving them into the into the table, into the desk with his fingers, um, unaware that he's doing it. Uh there the there's a num there's a set of numbers where Nick Cage believes is a safe spot, right? That's yes. why they go there. So it's a safe spot that they have to drive through. Oh, well, no. Uh, well, yeah. So so originally they're like, we're all going to escape. We're going to hide in these caves, even though I don't know that the caves are going to give us enough thing. But then he remembers that Lucinda was scratching the door at the uh, school. So he makes a detour, goes to the school, grabs right. the door, right. takes it back to his house and has like a a heat lamp. And he starts trying to scratch. Yeah, he's like kind of like using like a like a paint scraper. Yes. And uh, he finds out the numbers, uh, but uh, Roseburn is, is panicked and says, grabs the kids, including his kid, gets them into her car, and then drives off. Yeah, she kidnaps them. She kidnaps them, basically, and says, we're going to go to the cave because your father has lost it, right? Right. Uh, and, so, uh, and, so, and so and so he uh, – so she stops at a gas station. Yes. Uh, there's this the news is on and they've got an emergency test or not an emergency test the emergency broadcast system yeah. has said like hey shit's gonna get bad you better stay inside you better find a, if you can find underground uh you know shelter you got to do that um but yeah but it's about to get really really bad so so be warned about that um when uh she then calls him from the payphone no he uh the kid Oh, the kid calls. The kid gets together. The kid's like, where's my dad? And she's like, oh, he's right behind us, right behind us. He's like, I don't believe it. Gets out, calls his dad. Yeah. Um, she finds him, um, basically hijacks. Well, well she – so the, the – Anthony Jeselnik steals the car with the kids. Well, no. Well, she – I mean, well, she finds the kid on the phone, tells him to get back in the car. Oh, right, She right, starts right. talking to Nick Cage. Caleb, get back to the car now. John? Where are you? We're in Westford. I'm sorry, I, I had to do this for Abby and for Caleb. I'm, I'm taking them to the caves. I found the numbers. They're the location of your mother's mobile home. That's where we've got to go. Don't do this to me. Please. I know how it sounds. You want us to head toward the place where this is supposed to happen? Are you insane? It's a chance we gotta take or we're all gonna die. Stay where you are. I'll be right there. No, if we go to the caves, we have a chance. You said the sun can't reach that far. The caves won't save us. Nothing can. The radiation will penetrate a mile to the Earth's crust. Do you hear me? Our only shot is to go where the numbers want us to go. It's what no, we're meant I, to do. I don't believe you. I'm taking the children. We have to save the children. Don't you move, Diana. Caleb is my son. And I think to myself, I don't believe you, even though you were right all along. You were right about all about the shit. Everything. And P.S. I'm the motherfucker who left kids in a car with the keys in it. Right. right. And, and, so, and so, yeah, she steals another car. I can't even remember. How yeah. She so, the so Anthony Jeselnik steals the car with the kids in it, drives right. off. She sees that she steals another car, starts driving after him, gets smoked by a semi truck, like and, absolutely t-boned. Yeah, and by the way, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh shit! Like she gets killed, or she gets hit by a car. They go. They uh, Nicholas Cage shows up, finds the accident scene, goes to the 
ambulance where they're administering the uh, defibrillator, and she basically flatlines. And uh, and the one medic says to the other, all right, call it. And the medic looks up and says, 12 midnight exactly. And it turns out this was the exact date that her mom told her was going to die. And I wrote, what a twist. <laughs> so... All right, so now Cage is is going to the spot. He has a gun. He's trying to he's trying to find um he's trying to find the kids. He's running through the woods with a gun. Uh we get another revival of the smooth stones. The stones are all over the place. I don't know if you noticed that. I did. I mean, I was just like, all right, like these but the stones don't mean anything. Right. 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 So, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, really, no. unless, unless you have a whole lot here, like I, I just want to like blast through all this. No, right? go ahead. Go ahead. So, so, so basically, uh, the the alien, the Jeselnik reveals his true self. There's a spaceship that comes from the sky, and they're taking these kids, uh, and they're gonna take them somewhere safe. Like while the what end of the world is gonna happen, Nicholas Cage tries to get in with them, and they're like they tell the kid via um, telepathy. Uh, that the kid, the dad is not allowed, right? Um, so, and the kid can't understand it. It's, it's holding a bunny. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of stupid shit. But, but the funny thing is, the kid now, we've established the kid can hear the alien talk, doesn't like to talk, but uh, Nicholas Cage can't. And for some reason, I wrote, if Caleb was smart, he'd milk this. What's that? He's saying, I need my bedtime to be later <laughs> in order to read again. I just thought he should start doing that. Um, meanwhile, by the way, Abby don't give a fuck about her mama or her daddy no, or anybody. No. Right? Her, I mean, she just saw because they saw the car wreck. She saw her mom get smoked. Did she? Yeah, they look back. They're looking back in no. the car. Oh, but like, I like. What about her dad? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like she, like she just completely was just like, yo, I'm cool. I'm, I'm ready yeah, to go with like, this. I'm, I'm just ready to roll. Yeah. Uh, but, so this, but, is, but, this is where I wrote. This is where yeah. I wrote. A group of them appears. A ship comes out of the sky. Cage drops to his knees and acts his ass off. Because I do think this is good acting. I think he brings it in this scene. The the rocks, like, as soon as they fly away and the rocks fall on the ground, that's when I got really upset. Because the rocks had no meaning. Yeah, like, they if really the kids, did. Yeah. If the kids had to follow the rocks to get to this place where all these rocks are, then I would have got it. But it's like, no, just some rocks. What I mean? But I mean, the big payoff is not the rocks, but the the little the little cabbage patch because they do that as they say goodbye to each other. Yes, they do. Um, so the ship flies away. Uh, Nicholas Cage drives back, decides to drive right through the heart of downtown Boston. There are riots. There are riots, looting. Everyone's going crazy. And uh, for some the reason, National Guard is in there. Yeah, and but in some reason, Ben Mendelsohn and his wife are chilling by the and subway. He, and he and he sees them. Like, the odds he would see those two. It, wouldn't you just be like, yo, get in. Yeah, I'm going no. to my parents. No. Then, uh, and that's the point where I realized, why the fuck does he drive a pickup truck? Another great question. Well, he does live in the woods. We didn't see him do any pickup truck type activity at any point in this. Right. That's, other, that's than the do- other than the door. <laughs> that's fair. Right. Like but it did pay off for the door. It paid off yeah. for the door. I mean, he could have strapped it on the top of the car. I don't know. So he, uh, show, and, he shows up to his parents' house. Yeah. Re- reconciles with his father. Yeah. Um, everything's like, and the end of the world happens. Yeah, the like, massive explosion, fires, just just a blip. And this is where I, I also thought, I wrote I wrote a note. Uh, 
I wrote, they're cooked as the world gets destroyed. Buildings get independence dayed. Great yeah. CGI. No, I thought this was fantastic CGI. Terrible CGI. Terrible I cannot CGI. believe this. Meanwhile, the aliens have landed the kids on this alien me, planet. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Uh, After great CGI, I also wrote the note. How was this only $50 million? Uh, wow. Really? You actually thought the CGI was that good? I really did. The no, end of the man, maze. The end of the world? I mean, I don't know. I mean, didn't look cool to you? No, I mean I was already I was out as soon as the alien showed up. Like I was completely done with this movie. Well, I think. Also, a note I wrote is is they're only taking these two kids. Uh no, but then you see that there were a lot of other when they yeah, when but, the, the ships but are we left assuming they're the taking two at a time? No, it's like an Adam it's like an Adam and Eve type thing. I thought I thought it got real biblical uh, there. Yeah, at okay, the end. yeah. So yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So so I said first of all, gross. Like they're telling us that these two kids are gonna fuck one day. Right. Yeah. So right? they drop the kids off in a meadow on a planet somewhere. The, the, but then they dip, and so I said, "The fuck are these kids supposed to start a civilization?" Right. They they're nine, ten years left. old. Yeah. Like they like there's no there's no guidance there's no buildings it's just like a meadow with a tree. Yeah, a glowing tree. Oh, yeah, it's like an alien meadow with yeah. an alien tree. And they really like, and there's like a crescendo of like Beethoven playing and everything. Like they really thought that was an inspiring final shot. And that's the movie. Uh, that is the movie. Uh, one little note here: an anagram of the young girl's name. Her name is Lucinda Embry. This is according. <laughs> I didn't figure this out. This is according to IMDb. So Lucinda Embry, an anagram for it is badly numeric. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, Do you think is, that was intentional? Uh, yeah. Definitely well, not. This movie was definitely bad. All right, let's get to the let's get to the real star of this whole experience. Tony Medley. All right, Tony Medley, tell me. Tony Medley gives it a five out of ten. A five wow, out of ten. That's a, that's a high score. That's one of the highest ones we've gotten so far out of Tony, right? Yeah. Uh, Tony Medley. And so the, here I have a couple paragraphs here. It starts it off with. This is a classic example of a film that should have been subjected to a detailed preview process, one in which the producers should have paid attention to the comments of the viewers. For 100 minutes, it is a rip-snorting, tense, interesting film. Then it completely falls apart. This is how he ends the review, because then he just goes through some plot stuff, which we don't need. He ends the review with, To say the ending is unsatisfying would be, an under- would be the understatement of the year. But what's even worse is how long it takes to get from the 100-minute mark to the ending. Proyas fills the last 21 minutes with a plethora of special effects and music, enough to fill several movies. Unfortunately, Proyas apparently doesn't know what's going on or why, because he doesn't provide any explanation for what we see occurring on the screen. Maybe the reason he chose this particular ending was to exhibit the special effects in which he so clearly is in love, and they're pretty good, especially a plane crash and a subway disaster. Fuck you guys, Tony Medley's with me. But on the brighter (laughs) side, maybe too, someday these special effects directors will learn that a movie is not special effects, it is story and acting and reason and common sense. The last 21 minutes is devoid of all four, especially the latter two, it's a metaphysical ending that defies explanation and left me thinking I just wasted two hours. Nice. Tony Medley can write. I mean, that was a really good review. Yeah. Uh, except for the but fact still, that... But it still gives it a 5 out of 10. Yeah. Um, this, this movie... This Full profile. Full profile. Oh, is that... I mean... <laughs> do you really need to ask? Honestly... <laughs> Base, it's a hard it's a hard phobe for me it's a hard, a hard phobe. phobe i really like i'm with tony on this one i for the most of the movie i'm like man this is not as bad as i remember it so 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 a couple of things number one earlier i said uh i can't decide whether this is better or worse than next 
And the reason why I say this, I think Next had an, a, a more of an original. Like I was actually in, in, in not impressed, but like intrigued by the premise early on. Whereas this movie, I think, was very formulaic and trite. Mm. Right? It's been like it's been done a million times before. Right? Whereas Next was like, oh, this is a different twist on, on that kind of thing. Right? Um, so, but at the same time, this movie felt like Next felt a lot like it was just. Uh, like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Right. Like they had a good idea and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Here, the idea wasn't original at all, but they kind of had an idea of where this was going sure. for most of the movie, right? Sure, right. So that's why I say I couldn't tell if it's better or worse. Um, the number 23, which is a Jim Carrey movie uh, where he reads, a, he gets a book, he buys a book from a bookstore for, for his wife. And in it, uh, basically... Turns out the number 23 kind of everything can uh, devolve itself into a, a factor of 23 and, and it tells you when people are going to die and all this shit. I actually like that movie a lot. Yeah, I like it too. Most people didn't like it. Uh, the number 23 was way better written than this movie in terms of the power of numerology, but also like the, this concept that if you believe in numerology, literally every number will like it's self-fulfilling prophecy your brain will make anything uh be that thing right man did you know that number 23 got eight percent on rotten tomatoes oh wow 8%. yeah i know a lot of people didn't like it but you know, i like that movie i did like it too uh knowing is far more successful than next was if that helps you decide uh okay i mean next had a budget of 70 million which is crazy to me that that was a bigger budget than this one but maybe that was the people who were in it and also yeah, the, CGI, the CGI was actually what good. No, CGI was not better than than the CGI was not better than knowing uh, that whole like uh, may, 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 may is back. I already up. gave my power rankings. You guys know where I stand on this. Oh my god, this is absurd. Because next next did eighteen million in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's seventy seven million worldwide. Zach, this I think killed. I think what we talked about with like next being dumped by one studio and then picked up by another. I think they probably just, killed it flubbed the release really hard right. you know whereas yeah, knowing that's... they they were behind it the whole way i mean proyas uh kind of i mean before the the gods of egypt like irobot made money like kind of a lot irobot was yeah. fucking awful and then so like they probably had like good marketing <laughs> like and stuff I behind this <laughs> irobot was so bad man <laughs> oh man i like that movie adding it to the list yeah put that one in there but yeah, yeah this I... this movie it's it's really the the really terrible half-assed attempt at religious overtones that, that killed it for me. Like the random Ezekiel poster yeah, in, in Lucinda's oh, house. I thought it was like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, by the way. Didn't that picture look a lot like when uh, Indiana Jones is showing like the guys from the government in the beginning of the movie what the Ark of the Covenant is? Oh, right. And there's a picture of the, like, the Hebrews with the thing and it's killing all their enemies and shit. I, that's what I thought that picture was at first. And I actually got excited. And then I realized, no, that's not it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and just like the, the Adam and Eve tree of life ending, just, it just yeah, really it made me upset. Yeah, especially like to end it with like nine-year-olds. That like, that's, I would say that's the only reason I would lean towards Fove, but I'm going to give it a, a soft file. There it is. Really? 
Yeah, I'm giving it like a real soft file, like on the like on the border. This picture of Nicolas Cage that I sent to the chat is how I feel about your reaction to this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm blinded by the the sheer light of your reaction. Ass off. He acted his ass off in that scene. All right. I'm telling you, he drops to his knees. He's crying. I felt the pain. Like I've felt that shit he acted his ass off the plane crash is a great scene tony medley agreed with me like that cgi <laughs> brought it i'll go fuck what you guys say thank you to the listeners we're gonna do another one next week i don't know what movie we're doing yet but we can drop suggestions on twitter or in the discord uh thanks to me and al Hassan. thanks to anthony mace thanks more to tony medley for agreeing with me fuck you guys this movie's great of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.